We're going to be going to James chapter 3 in just a minute. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to talk about two types of wisdom. Two types of wisdom. I'm sorry. We're going to go to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Verses 13 through 18. Last week, we continued our discussion on the New Testament epistle of James. Last week, we looked at James 3, 1 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. That was last week. And so today, we will pick up from there. And in James 3, 1 through 12, the passage talked about our language. Our language cannot be hypocritical. Blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. This week, we will talk about wisdom. Our language should be guided by wisdom from God. Our language should be guided by wisdom from God. How do you know if someone is wise? What is the test? Is there a difference between worldly wisdom and the wisdom of God? In a commentary on 1 Corinthians by New Testament scholar Gordon Fee, on page 81, a man named Celsus is quoted. Celsus. Celsus wrote this during the early church, and his goal appears to be against the church. Listen to what Celsus writes. He says their injunctions are like this. An injunction is an act or instance of enjoining. An act or an instance of enjoining. Their injunctions are like this. Let no one educated, no one wise, no one sensible draw near. For these abilities are thought by us to be evils. But as for anyone ignorant, anyone stupid, anyone uneducated, anyone who is a child, let him come boldly by the fact that they themselves admit that these people are worthy of their God. They show that they want and are able to convince only the foolish, dishonorable and stupid, and only slaves, women, and children. In other words, to this man, the early church, by the way, Origen quoted Celsus in his work Contra Celsum, so to this man, the early church was full of ignorant and unlearned people. Now, there certainly were many very learned people in the early church, but to him, there was a different type of wisdom in the church than in the world. To him, there was a different type of wisdom in the church than in the world. Today... We will look at two types of wisdom. One from the world, one type from God. One from the world and one type from God. Wisdom must guide our language and our actions. And the wisdom of God should be evidenced by our works and our words. Wisdom must guide our language and our actions. And the wisdom of God should be evidenced by our works and our words. Let's read James 3, 13 through 18. James 3, 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As always, I want the scripture to soak in, so let me read that one more time. James 3, 13 through 18. James 3, 13 through 18. 
Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. Notice it says wise and understanding. Then he says gentleness of wisdom. Gentleness of wisdom. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. For jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In verse 13, we see a test of wisdom. In verse 13, we see a test of wisdom. James starts with a question. Who is wise? Who, is wi- who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. Before anyone can answer, he gives a self-test. Let him show by his behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. Let him show by his good life. Now, before I talk more about this good life, allow me to talk about wise and understanding. James asks, who is wise and understanding? Who is wise and understanding? Are they the same? Are wisdom and understanding the same? They are listed as two different things, two different adjectives. Adjectives modify nouns. John MacArthur writes the following. He shares, notice again back at verse 13, he says, who is wise and understanding? Now, I don't want to make a big distinction. This is still MacArthur. He says, now, I don't want to make a big distinction between those words because I think basically there's synonyms put there for emphasis. But they do, have a, they do have a bit of a shade of difference in their meaning. Get this. This is the only time in the whole New Testament these two words appear together. This is the only time in the whole New Testament these two words, wise and understanding, appear together. The simple distinction is that wisdom probably relates to the application of principles, whereas understanding relates to the understanding of those principles or the knowledge of those principles. Wisdom probably relates to the application of principles... Whereas understanding relates to the understanding of those principles or the knowledge of those principles. One would have more impact on the mind and one might have more impact on the conduct. But basically they have to do with the same thing. You can't be wise if you don't understand and you can't really understand if you're not wise. You can't be wise if you do not understand and you can't really understand if you're not wise. Chuck Swindoll shares, wisdom is the ability to see with discernment, to view life as God perceives it. I like that. Understanding is a skill to respond with insight. Knowledge is the rare trait of learning with perception, discovering, and growing. Wisdom is the ability to see with discernment, to view life as God perceives it. Understanding is a skill to respond with insight. Knowledge is the rare trait of learning with perception. Discovering and growing. So there is a hair of difference, and I believe that James gave both of those adjectives for a reason. Wisdom, according to MacArthur, is the application of principles, and understanding is understanding those principles. Wisdom, according to Swindoll, is to see with discernment as God perceives things. Understanding is the ability to respond with insight. Let's move on. If you're wise, show it with your life. Godly wisdom is evidenced by our works. Our words in our life. Godly wisdom is evidenced by our works, our words in our life. James has to show this by your good deeds done in humility. 
Those deeds, they come from wisdom. Again, godly wisdom is evidenced by our works, our words in our life. How many people have you known that are wise, at least by the world standards? How many people have you known who are highly learned but are hard to be around? How many people have you known who, are, who have great knowledge but they, they don't help anyone? They are selfish. They are selfish. The next few verses, James will talk about the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world. Verses 14 through 16 show us a little about the wisdom of the world. Verses 14 through 16 show us a little about the wisdom of the world. Let's reread those. But if you have bitter jealousy, what type of jealousy? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. What type of ambition? Selfish. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish and ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Verse 14 starts with a conjunction that shows contrast. It's translated as but. But is the conjunction that shows contrast. And it's a big but too. And then there's this conditional conjunction, if, if. If is a conjunction showing a condition. Now, what is the condition? But if, but if. If you have bitter jealousy, you don't just have envy. Your envy is bitter. Bitter envy, bitter jealousy. If you have bitter jealousy, that means that you are so envious, so jealous, you cannot bear to think of someone. You cannot bear to see someone. You cannot bear to look at their house. You think, I cannot believe they can afford that new fishing boat. I deserve a new fishing boat. No, that's just what my bitter jealousy might be. Point is, the jealousy is advanced and it will cause damage. And this bitter jealousy is about you. Who? You. Look at the next phrase. And selfish ambition. And selfish ambition. It is about selfishness. Listen, there's nothing wrong with ambition. Ambition is a good thing. Nothing wrong with ambition. Selfish ambition is wrong. It's that modifier, selfish Ambition is not wrong. Selfish ambition is wrong. I will watch Star Trek and watch Captain Kirk or Captain Picard and, and think, I want to captain my own space vessel. Is that wrong? If so, it's the motivation that is wrong. Do I want to do something because I believe God has called me to do so and I believe that I can help out people? That is a good ambition. However, if my motives are selfish, that is selfish ambition and that is wrong. See Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Well, James writes, if you have these two traits, don't boast about it. If you talk about your wisdom, yet your life is full of selfish ambition and bitter jealousy or envy, you are missing the truth. Where is the truth? The truth is in your actions. The truth is in your actions. The truth is in your words. The truth is in your words. The wisdom of selfish ambition and bitter envy is of the devil, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, this means it comes from our sin nature. The devil is alive and active. Don't think he isn't. Read Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. How do you know if your wisdom is this way? Verse 16. Verse 16. This kind, of, this kind of wisdom leads to disorder and evil practices. You hear that? This kind of wisdom leads to disorder and evil practices. Let's talk about you. Do your practices produce disorder? Do your practices produce disorder? Before we go into the wisdom of God, let me give some of the differences of the two types of wisdom. Look with me at the differences between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. 
The world's wisdom says look like a model. God's wisdom says you're beautiful. God created you the way you are. The world's wisdom says have a sarcastic answer, which makes you look good and others look bad. Cut other people off at the knees. God's wisdom says love your enemies. Return evil with good. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. The world's wisdom. Do what you have to do to get to the top. God's wisdom. Jesus gave up everything and went to the bottom. The world's wisdom may say to drink, do drugs, have fun. God's wisdom says these things harm you. They take you out of control of your actions. Your body belongs to God. The world's wisdom may say your voice isn't good enough, your body isn't good enough, you are too fat, too tall, too short, your hair is ugly, and your clothes are too cheap. God's wisdom says, I created you the way you are for a reason. The world's wisdom Disrespect your parents or others. God's wisdom says, be submissive to authorities. Respect all people. Jesus was submissive to the authorities that were corrupt. The world's wisdom, it's okay to have sex. Just use protection. Sleep around. God's wisdom says, that sacrifices your purity. Sex is a gift God has given you for reproduction. Enjoy with someone you have a lifelong commitment with in marriage. Sex is emotional, and emotions are hurt if the intimacy of sex is shared with more people. Sex is emotional, and emotions are hurt if the intimacy of sex is shared with more people. The world's wisdom, have fun. Life is short, and there is no eternity. God's wisdom says we will all face judgment someday, and there is an eternity. There is one way to heaven. The world's wisdom says, if life doesn't seem fun, or you've had some trauma, it's okay to end your life. God's wisdom says that he created you for a purpose. Life will get tough, but lean in on God. The world's wisdom skews our view. We see through a haze. When I was 24 years old, when I was 24 years old, I realized I needed glasses. I was so excited to be able to have, a perf- to have perfect vision once again. But when I went to work at McDonald's, but when I went to work as a McDonald's manager, my view got skewed again. I would leave work and my glasses would be coated with grease. I'd have to clean them off. Just as my glasses were coated with grease, so is our view of reality. The world's wisdom skews our view. You hear that? The world's wisdom falls, skews our view. We need God's wisdom. Godly wisdom is evidenced by our works and our words and our deeds. Our actions. Verses 17 through 18 show us a little about the wisdom of God. Verses 17 through 18 show us a little about the wisdom of God. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God's wisdom produces purity. God's wisdom produces peace. I'm sure there have been several people in the world who are wise, yet their their words didn't produce peace. God's wisdom is gentle. This means you think of others first. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. God's wisdom is reasonable. God's wisdom is full of mercy. God's wisdom produces good fruit. Good fruit. God's wisdom is impartial, unwavering, without hypocrisy, objective. Verse 18 wraps it up. If you do things in peace, the outcome is righteousness. How do you know if someone is wise? What is a test? Is there a difference between worldly wisdom and the wisdom of God? The test of wisdom is right here in Scripture. Do an individual's actions produce disorder and evil practices? 
Or do an individual's actions, an individual's life show purity, peace, loving, considerateness, submissiveness, mercy, good fruit, impartiality, and sincere? Apply this to yourself. By looking at your life, do your actions produce disorder and evil practices? Or do your actions, does your life show purity, peace, gentleness, reasonableness, mercy, good fruit, objectivity? Now, you can examine yourself, but it'd be better to ask a close friend. First, let me ask, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you know him? Have you committed your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Is he Lord of your life? Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, anyone can come after me, anyone. But he, anybody can follow Jesus, but he or she must um, deny himself or herself, take up his or her cross and follow. Have you denied yourself, taken up your cross to follow Jesus? Some of you are believers in Jesus, but not followers. You've, you're, you're believers in Jesus, but not committed. You believed in Jesus, but you haven't trusted in him as Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Some of you maybe did that years ago, but you're not living for him. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him today. The Bible can be summed up with the acronym that spells gospel. Gospel. God created us to be with him. We see that in Genesis 1 through 2. God created us for a life with him. Our sins, they separate us from God. Genesis 3. We sin, we sin against a holy, righteous God. We don't think our sins are that bad. That's because we are comparing ourselves with a neighbor, a coworker, or friend. But we need to compare ourselves with God's standard. God's standard is perfection, holiness, righteousness. One sin separates us from God. So our sins separate us from God, Genesis 3. God created us to be with him, Genesis 1 through 2. He wants a relationship with us. Our sins separate us from God, Genesis 3. Sins cannot be removed by good works. Genesis 4 through Malachi 4. The rest of the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament shows that sins cannot be removed by good works. Our good works don't cover sins. That creates a dilemma because God loves us and wants a relationship with us. So God took action. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. Imagine yourself at the foot of the cross, Jesus on the cross. Your sins go from you to him. When he went to the cross, he took your place, my place. He substituted himself, the world's place. He took the wrath of God at his place. He took... The punishment for our sins. Everyone who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life, John through Jude. A life that's eternal means being with Jesus forever, Revelation 22.5. We commit our life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We have eternal life in him. But it doesn't begin in eternity. It begins now. We have a fuller life in him. We have a complete life in Jesus. Jesus says in John 15, we're called to be connected with him. He is the vine. We are the branches. We're called to be connected to him. Are you connected to him? The Bible uses four verbs, four verbs, action words, to describe our commitment to Christ. Confess, believe, trust, commit. Confess, believe, trust, commit. We confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. That means repent. Believe in Jesus as the one and only Savior. Believe John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall inherit everlasting life. Believe in Jesus. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We're called to repent, believe in Jesus, confess you're a sinner in need of a Savior, believe in him, trust in him, and commit to him. What does this mean? It means we firmly make the decision to be with him. We firmly, seriously, resolutely, decidedly make the decision to be with him. You want to live life with Jesus in order to become like him, to learn and do all that he says, and you arrange your affairs around him. Firmly make the decision to be with him in order to become like him. You want to become like Jesus, to learn and do all that he says, then you arrange your affairs, you arrange your life around him. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Where are you at? Are you a believer in Jesus? Have you also trusted him and committed your life to him? Have you strayed? Do you need to rededicate your life to him? Maybe you've never believed in him. You've never committed to him. 
If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, say this prayer with me. The prayer is not a magical formula. It's just telling Jesus what you're doing. Tell Jesus what you're doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I confess I've sinned and I missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I'm trusting my life with you. I'm, I, I'm committing my life to you. Come into my life and help me to live for you. Today, Lord, I am firmly making the decision to be with you in order to become like you, to learn to do all that you say. I'm going to arrange my affairs around you. Help me, Lord. I need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, please share it with somebody today. Angels in heaven rejoice over one person who repents. God yearns for a relationship with all of us. If you have questions about God or the spiritual life, talk to me. I'd love to help you. If you're a Christian with doubts, talk to me. If you're a non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, deist, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, uh, whatever, talk to me. I'd love to help you. I'm going to invite Steve up for the closing song at this point.